Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus 38 today. And wow, that's a lot of gold. Uh, we're continuing on, of course, this description of all the different things that the uh, that, that went really wrong in the Golden Calf Festival, and so we're continuing through this. This is what you're supposed to be using gold for, and yeah, I think it's uh, when you when you scroll down and to get the description at the very end there, we're going to talk about that. Um, how many million dollars of gold is that? This is a this is a pretty uh, ornate project. Does it make sense to be putting that kind of money towards? Um, you know, things that are like appearances, things that don't last, you know, like how does this mesh with what our Lord says about the temple, right? So there's, there's a lot of questions, actually, that this ends up raising, um, you know, ethical things as well. Besides, of course, the uh, description of the actual, uh, you got the today, the altar um, and the basin and the court, which we've talked about, but we can take another look here um, and kind of look at some of those details. Joining us today, we've got Pastor Warren Wirth pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. Returning, good to have you on again, brother. Good to hear your voice. How's it going for you and the people there at Good Shepherd? Thank you. Glad to be with you, and things are going as well as can be expected under the circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) We are living in strange times, but uh, by Thankfully, uh, we are having in-person worship services again. We ask people to uh-huh. make an appointment so that we can uh, maintain the proper social distancing and sure. all of that, taking all the precautions that uh, the government health officials are recommending. But so far, we are al- allowed to meet in person and have word and sacrament. For that, we are grateful to God. And um, thankfully, my family is healthy, and people in the congregation are healthy. Uh, no one in the congregation directly has gotten the virus, but um, extended family or uh, relatives of some have gotten it. So it, we're, we're doing well by the grace of God. Oh, uh, thanks be to God. Yeah, no, cer- certainly it's, uh, <laughs> I think everyone's like, well, you know, uh, you know, doing well for uh, strange times, as you were saying, but you know, there, there's really a, there really is something to just seeing just how much grace there is for these strange times, and um, in some ways that uh, that can be a massive encouragement and make you, at least for me, I've just found like there's a lot of things that I feel like I had been taking for granted that I'm appreciating in a in a whole new way that just I think makes me more grateful than I was before. So I thank God for that. Um, but yeah, so we're looking here at the Exodus chapter 38, and again, you know, we've seen this before, a lot of it is word for word the same as stuff that we've seen earlier in Exodus, but it's just, it's it's interesting here when it's presented here this way in this context, then like I was saying here, you get the kind of description um, at the very end, kind of evaluating, um, interesting that, you know, the mention of Ithamar, who hasn't been mentioned very much at all, one of Aaron's sons, um, just the idea of the kind of the supervision of this massive project, its size and scope. Uh, it's pretty interesting there there at the end and kind of like what, what it kind of means then for us with big projects or dreams that we might want to undertake. Indeed. And at, at first blush, you know, for 21st century American Christians reading through this part of the Bible, 
is a kind of thing that can make your eyes glaze over and <laughs> you can think this is boring mm-hmm. because it's hard to relate to in many ways. We don't have uh, the tabernacle and all of its appointments anymore. We don't have the Old Testament priesthood. Uh, we don't have the animal sacrifices and all of that. And so it can be hard to relate to it until you look through a New Testament lens and see the fulfillment in Jesus and say, oh, okay, now I can see even in these details uh, as to the altar and the uh, basin and all of these things, there was a plan. God was at work here preparing his people uh, for the coming of Jesus, showing the problem of our sin and our uncleanness, the necessity to be made clean by God as gift through the ministration of the priests that he would provide and the sacrifices uh, that would uh, substitute for the death that people deserved, and uh, the cleansing that would come through the blood, and so on and so on. All all of that is so vital to to appreciate a chapter like this. Otherwise, it's like, uh, just just skip it, you know? (laughs) I don't want to hear about all this stuff. It doesn't have anything to do with my life. And, well, actually it does, uh, and it's enlightening to, to see the provision that God himself made through Moses for the people of that time, preparing them for the coming of Jesus. And now we can look back on all of that, uh, now that now that all the Messianic promises have been fulfilled in Christ and his work of atonement has taken place, and we, uh, by baptism, are incorporated into his family. There's so many connections here. You can say, oh, now I see there's something new here uh, in what is old, (laughs) a a new look at what is old to understand what this means for me, for us now, even though the tabernacle is long gone, the temple in Jerusalem is long gone, but we look forward to the new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Righteousness, and that righteousness is always gift in Christ our Lord. Uh, amen, amen. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good themes there, and uh, some of the things that we started to unpack in 27 when we went through this the first time, but we'll have another chance to kind of look at some of those uh, things that we didn't have a chance to. Well, before we uh, go any further, would you, brother, go ahead and open us up with a word of prayer? Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 All right. Well, uh, we, we've been doing pretty well, and so I think we'll keep pressing on like this. We'll read the whole chapter over once through, and then we can kind of look at, you know, just what what kind of big things stand out. Maybe if something jumps out at uh, you or me, just kind of like, you know, t- having another read through it again, but kind of thinking about, you know, the big picture. And then we'll come circle around, look at verse, uh, verse one, and kind of look at some of the, uh, some of the highlights kind of going through. This is certainly one, like you were saying, there's a lot of details. And if you took it, you know, verse by verse, looking at all the details, 
well, just, you know, KFUO, clear your schedule for the next, you know, like <laughs> for the rest of the day at least. Um, but we'll just kind of pick up some of the highlights along the way or anything that really um, you kind of, if, if you've done any kind of work on any particular words or any of those sorts of things, we can kind of go back and go those sorts of detailed things. But uh, before we read the whole chapter, any uh, things you want to call out or contextualize for us to just kind of help frame this for us? Well, as you were saying, you know, we have to understand that the children of Israel have been set free from Egypt. Uh, God brought them out of slavery in Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, brought them on their way to the Promised Land. Uh, they're at Sinai, and God has uh, made his covenant with them. Uh, and God, through his servant Moses, gave instruction for the construction of the tabernacle uh, and everything therein, uh, including you know, the Ark of the Covenant and so forth, and then the, the temple courts around, uh, or the, the, rather the courts around the tabernacle, which has as its main feature the, the bronze altar. So all of this is in the context of what has already been instructed, the instructions given, and then we had the golden calf incident that you alluded to in the introduction, where after they already said they were going to do everything God had commanded, then when Moses was up on the mountain, they terribly disobey God and worship an idol, and Moses comes down from the mountain and he is angry about that, and uh golden calf is destroyed and then thereafter we have uh the uh, the new tablets given and and then the uh matter of following through on what God had said so the people had given very generously in terms of the things that they were asked to bring all you know the gold the silver the bronze the various kinds of fabric and so on and so forth the gems and then god gave uh, certain servants who were given gifts of the spirit to uh to be able to oversee the work of all the craftsmen. So you have Bezalel and Aholiab that God appointed to to do that work, and they do it very well. And what we're seeing in these chapters is that they do what had been commanded earlier. And so what had been commanded, what had been prepared for, is now accomplished with the construction of the tabernacle, the ark, and all the other matters. And now that we're in chapter 38, we see that it continues with the making of the bronze altar for burnt offering, the bronze basin and the, the things necessary for the court around the tabernacle, and we can discuss that after you've read through it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's it's uh, yeah very very big picture zooming uh, way out, kind of putting this in its context here, kind of the five thousand feet view. Let's go ahead and read the thing now. So here we are from the top, chapter thirty-eight of Exodus in the English Standard Version. He made the altar a burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits its breadth. It was square and three cubits was its height. He made horns for it on its four corners. Its horns were of one piece with it and he overlaid it with bronze. And he made all the utensils of the altar, the pots, the shovels, the basins, the forks, and the firepans. He made all its utensils of bronze. And he made for the altar a grating, a network of bronze under its ledge extending halfway down. He cast four rings on the four corners of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. And he put the poles through the rings on the sides of the altar to carry it with them. He made it hollow with boards. 
He made the basin of bronze and its stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered in the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he made the court. For the south side, the hangings of the court were of fine twined linen, a hundred cubits. Their twenty pillars and their twenty bases were of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the north side, there were hangings of a hundred cubits. Their twenty pillars and their twenty bases were of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the west side were hangings of fifty cubits, their ten pillars and their ten bases. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the front, to the east, fifty cubits. The hangings were for one side of the gate were fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and their three bases. And so for the other side. On both sides of the gate of the court were hangings of fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and their three bases. All the hangings around the court were of fine twine linen, and the bases for the pillars were of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars for their fillets were of silver. The overlaying of their capitals was also of silver, and all the pillars of the court were filleted with silver. And the screen for the gate of the court was embroidered with needlework in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. It was twenty cubits long and five cubits high in its breadth, corresponding to the hangings of the court. And their pillars were four in number. Their four bases were of bronze, their hooks of silver, and the overlaying of their capitals and their fillets of silver. And all the pegs of the tabernacle and for the court all around were bronze. These are the records of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, as they were recorded at the commandment of Moses, the responsibility of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer and embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the gold that was used for the work in all the construction of the sanctuary, the gold from the offering was twenty-nine talents and seven hundred thirty shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. The silver from those of the congregation who were recorded was a hundred talents and one thousand seven hundred seventy-five shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. A becca ahead, that is half a shekel by the shekel of the sanctuary, for everyone who was listed in the records from twenty years old and upward for six hundred and three thousand five hundred fifty men. The hundred talents of silver were for casting the bases of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil, a hundred bases for the hundred talents, a talent a base. And of the 1,775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their capitals and made fillets for them. The bronze that was offered was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. With it, he made the bases for the entrance of the tent of meeting, the bronze altar and the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils of the altar, the bases around the court and the bases of the gate of the court, all the pegs of the tabernacle, and all the pegs around the court. All right, so that's uh, that's one quite a receipt there at the end. Uh, <laughs> you go and you, you tally all that up. and uh, So, I mean, that that's one of the things that, definitely stands out to me is just really the amazing sum. I mean, uh, it really kind of, I think, to me, uh, makes sense of the description that we had earlier on in Exodus, how God said a few times uh, that, you know, he's speaking to Israel, you will plunder the Egyptians. And uh, (laughs) if they made out with this many talents of 
gold and silver and bronze, they surely plundered them. Um, so that that's kind of like one thing that uh, just really kind of jumps out at me. But then, but then again, also as I was saying, just uh, just kind of the way it's just so meticulously accounted for, and and it's just kind of you name all the people involved um, in overseeing the project. Um, I mean, it's anyways, just, just kind of like the size and scope really just, uh, just really makes an impression. Uh, how about you? What's, what's standing out to you? Um, what, 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 well, what, what me, are your kind of your, some big picture thoughts? Okay. Well, b- big picture thought is again, that we have an awesome God and the worship of him is similarly awesome. And in this case, particularly, um, we're talking about the things that God himself commanded his people to do for worship. So this is not just people out of the clear blue sky, out of their own, the thoughts of their own heart, deciding, oh, I think we should do this or I should do that. Uh This is following the commands of the Lord, who is the creator of the universe, and who's also the one who, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, delivered his people, redeemed his people, saved his people from slavery in Egypt, and brought them with signs and wonders out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, on the way to the land of promise. And all of that, of course, the promised land is important because of the promise, the promise above all promises, the coming of the Messiah, who would be born there, who would live, suffer, die, and rise again there to save not only Israel, but all the peoples of the earth, that all the seed and all the the nations on earth might be blessed through that promised seed of Abraham, and that we, who are not Jewish, might uh, be incorporated into the family of God and come into his presence. Now, this coming into his presence, I think, is kind of the big picture thing for us all to bear in mind, because Uh you can't just come to God as you are. Right. And I think that's something that maybe 21st century Americans have lost the idea of God's holiness versus our unholiness, his purity, our impurity, uh, that we dare not come to God uh, without being cleansed. Uh, we right. dare not come to God on our own terms, that mm-hmm. we dare not think that we can uh, come to God uh, on terms as equals, and uh, it, it can be shocking to Americans to this idea that God is holy, and to try to approach his holiness as we are, sinful and unclean, is deadly for us, and that there is this need for uh, us to to be brought into God's uh, presence on his terms, and by the means and the mediation of uh, those that he has put there for that purpose. And what God then commanded Moses and the children of Israel to do uh, is an an elaborate object lesson, (laughs) making it very, very, very clear to everyone, the whole nation and everyone in the nation from little on, that there is a God, and that God has chosen us as his people, and he's pleased to dwell among us. You know, this is a big thing, that God is willing to tent among us. You know, Mm -hmm. so while these people are tenting, uh, living in tents on their way somewhere else, right? So this is, they're not Mm -hmm. living in their permanent abode yet. 
but on the way, the Lord is with them, and he will tent in the midst of them. Right. And uh, that's a big deal. God's willingness, his grace to live among his people, his desire to be their God and have them as his people. Uh, but uh, to, to, to come to him, to be in his presence, right. um, requires... Uh, that we do it on his terms, and that involves the, the tabernacle and the court around it, indicate there is such a thing as sacred space. Uh, yeah. Again, as, as, as Christians today and Americans today, we don't always have the sense of sacred space. We think that, you know, you can treat uh, the sanctuary of your church like a gymnasium and run around and, and you know, it's like, instead of thinking of this, this is, a, this is a holy place where God meets with us. Um, and, uh, yeah. and, and so th- I think all that comes out here very much. And then the, the mediation of the priesthood and all these things that have to do with the priesthood so the people can be made clean and acceptable in God's sight and be blessed by God. That's, right. that's what this is really all about, big picture. So, yeah, certainly, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the idea of the presence of God and, and the mediation, so key. I remember I had a professor back in seminary who said, you know, think of the five books of Moses— um, you know, when, when you have any kind of arrangement or any kind of like long series, you know, your, your climactic moments, like not going to come at least to like halfway. And so like, what's, what's the halfway point of the, the Pentateuch? What's like the big climactic moment? Like, let's see here, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, I guess it'd be Leviticus, you know, like really? Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, the moment, like God being with his people, as you were saying, tenting, tabernacling among them. And we've been talking about this idea of God's presence, uh, you know, like last time, you know, picking up again. The, the stuff on the scent and the perfume. Um, of course, we also talked about that back. Um, it was brought up in chapter 30, I think it was. Um, and, and so we, a lot of these themes of, of presence have been have been coming up again and again. Um, I, I think one of the things I'm interested in, and we kind of talked about this last time, um, but I want to kind of see what you think for here. You know, this is um, most of the material that's talking about the altar itself is... Uh, exactly the same as the stuff that was in chapter 27. Um, and, and, and same thing with the stuff about the, uh, uh, so not only the, the altar here, but the, the basin, the, the court. So it's just interesting, you know, what, what is the kind of impact you think um, for the, the, the people who are like reading this, hearing this, of hearing these particular things a second time in this context. And, and uh, I mean, the thing that I was kind of suggesting last time was that I, I think that this sounds all different having had the golden calf incident. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Okay, well, certainly. I, I think that when knowing the history here, seeing it in that context and in that timeline, you know, God, God had his plan— before all of that, right. and then with the golden calf incident and seeing how easily and quickly and drastically people had turned away from God and forgot yeah. about Moses and forgot all the promises that they had made, forgot the promises God had made in the covenant, um, it shows the, sin, the sinfulness of the human heart, how fickle uh, our human hearts are and yeah. how desperately wicked we are, and again, points all the more to the need for God to fix the problem. We're not going to fix the problem of the broken relationship between God and man ourselves. We can't do that. God takes the initiative. It's all grace 
and his activity. And it's amazing, is it not, that God didn't just wipe them all out, you know? Right. Uh, and yet, you know, Moses acts as mediator, doesn't he, there, mm-hmm. in a Christ-like fashion, says, Lord, you know, remember your promise. Don't, don't yep. spare, don't, don't uh, wipe them out. And right. so God uh, laid aside his wrath and did not destroy the nation as they well deserved, just as he has not destroyed us as we well deserve, but kept his covenant promise. Despite their faithlessness, God remained faithful and, uh, and then proceeds by uh, giving them what they need to uh, build the tabernacle and all the things with it and to establish the priesthood and the sacrifices that God himself had in mind, all of that prefiguring what would happen in a much greater way when God would tent among us in the person of Jesus Christ, right? In him is the fullness of the deity dwelling bodily, uh, the word made flesh full of grace and truth that we might know God, that he might be made known to us in Jesus, and that we might be brought near to God through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our great high priest. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Um, Amen. He is the one in whom we have redemption Uh, and atonement. I hate, hate to cut you off, but we're actually over time already. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 38 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. During the time of the late Reformation, who were the Anabaptists, the New Arians, and the Anti-Trinitarians? And what did these groups teach and believe? Thursday on Issues Etc. will discuss other sects in the solid declaration of the Formula of Concord in our Lutheran Confession series with Pastor Paul McCain of Concordia Publishing House. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life.
Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 38 here, this description, um, again, of the altar, the basin, the court. Uh, but it sounds a little bit different when you read it on this side of Exodus 32. We were just talking about before the break with our guest today joining us again, Pastor Warren Worth of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church at Arnold, in Arnold, Missouri. If you've got a question for us and you're listening live, good chance to join the conversation. Ask a question for me or Pastor Worth. Give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or hop on the live stream and just put a comment there right in there in the box, facebook.com slash Espinosa. Also want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word, uh, helping us uh, get this out on KFUO, their website, lhfmissions.org. Uh, all right, so we were just talking a little bit before the break. Um, yeah, and, and I, th- I think you were kind of like bringing this out that, you know, by going over um, all of this related to the intercession making atonement right i mean these are these are forgiveness pictures these are pictures of of jesus and how our lord makes um makes propitiation for sins right so you have that idea that that it's it's uh following up on the golden calf like that the thing that i think um is interesting too is that it's not just forgiveness stuff necessarily, if I can put it that way, not not meaning to, to be dismissive at all, um, but it's not just kind of forgiveness, uh, sacrifice things that are mentioned after the golden calf. Uh, if we go back, it was, I think it was chapter, was it 33? No, it was no, 30, 35. Um, that he actually starts with like the feasts, right? Which was pretty interesting. Um, and, and so that kind of made me think maybe the idea is it's sort of like, hey, with the golden calf, we were misusing good things. Like, you know, festivals, holidays, those are those are good things. But are they misused? Oh, yeah, they are, right? You know, like the first thing that comes to mind is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, but, but, you know, like, so there, there, there's or lots Christmas of Christmas even. Think about well, Christmas yeah, well, yeah, these oh, days. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah, has been exactly. taken over oh, yeah. by so many people in a way that the people forget it's about the birth of the Savior, and it's all about material right. things. So, yeah, yeah the, no, we worship exactly. a golden calf even to this uh-huh. day sometimes, don't we? It, oh, absolutely, absolutely, right? So, so yeah, we uh, we misuse holidays just as they were misusing a, a holiday a party festival celebration, right? Um, and then also, of course, the big thing that we think of is that they were misusing gold, right? And so now we're going to go over the right way to use gold. And something that I, I had not really noticed before is that, you know, you hear, I mean, really, it, it's it's gold, but not just gold. And especially in this chapter, um, there, there's more silver and bronze, um, than gold going on here, 
But that doesn't really, I think, um, detract from the kind of correspondence because I, I, I don't know if I even knew this, or I think I, I think I did at some point, I'd forgotten it. But we have in our English translations, the golden calf, the golden calf, the golden calf. Um, but if you go back to Exodus 32, it doesn't actually say the golden calf. It says, I don't know what the, the best word is. It's like the metal calf or like the, the molten calf or the, I, what, what's, what's the word for like a, a metallic sculpture? I'm not, um, you mean something cast? Yeah, like the, the, the okay. cast calf. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you would call it. I mean, that's maybe why we call it the golden calf because nothing else sounds good. Uh, but like, <laughs> what's interesting? Yeah, of course. Um, well, the, the, well, Aaron does, does mention say, the golden it, rings. It does mention. But, yeah, they took off the rings of gold in yeah. their ears and so forth, and then right. taking the rings of gold, they bring them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand and right. fashioned it with a graving tool and mm-hmm. made a golden calf. That's that's right. what the. That ESV says there. So right, right, right. So so we do have gold certainly mentioned, but when when God's talking about it, when Moses is talking about it again and again and again, the the way it's described is not like oh that that calf of gold, that calf of gold, that calf of gold. Um, it, it's this you know this calf that they made out of metal, and so by referring it to that way, I think that the kind of uh, the force that that has is sort of like hey. Uh, there, there's, there's a right way to use not just gold, but um, precious metals, and there's a wrong way. And so really, when, when we're talking about any of this stuff, then, the silver, the gold, or even the bronze, we're all kind of redeeming this idea of using precious metals um, for good purposes, whether that's uh, here in the building of the tabernacle or uh, later, you know, for instance, uh, the bronze serpent, right? So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, I hadn't noticed that before, that, yeah, gold is mentioned, but, like, it's not actually as, as, as fixated on gold, per se, as maybe we sometimes get. What, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I think, let's kind of take what you're saying here, that all of these things are created by God, right. and, and then God gave us, uh, our bodies and souls and all things, our reason and our senses, and still preserves them and gives us the ability then to take what he has created and make things of it. So in, in that regard, uh, art yeah. in service of the church and the worship of God is a good thing, but what right. you're pointing out is that it, the, the same thing can be misused. So um, take it. If one focuses on the gold, the silver, the bronze, uh, the carving, the, the thing that the person made and makes too much of the material thing itself, the created thing, rather than the creator, God, Yahweh, then one has gone astray. Then, then we are in idolatry, and then we're doing that which is displeasing to God. But at the same time, and in you know, after the golden calf incident, you see God who has given his spirit to Bezalel and Aholiab to to lead the work of the craftsmen and to do these things. Here you see uh, these people using their God-given talents uh, and the God-given materials uh, to to do things that are going to going to direct people's attention away from themselves, away from the worship of 
created things to the worship of the creator who wants to have a relationship with his people, who wants to dwell among his people and make them his people, even as he has promised to be their God. And he is mm-hmm. the one who provides the way for that to happen in spite of their sinfulness and despite of the fact that they don't deserve it. You know, he is the one who provides the way. And here in the Old Testament tabernacle with the priesthood, with the sacrifices, with the holy days that God himself establishes, and all the details of all of that, you know, everything is going to focus on uh, on God's yeah. grace, God's promise of salvation in uh, bringing them out of slavery in Egypt, bringing them to the promised land, and ultimately giving them the promised Savior, Jesus, who is the fulfillment of what all these other things can only picture. And so well, as yeah. one would be approaching, you know, you're, you're coming, even the people of Israel, they're unclean, they're undeserving, they can't come into God's presence except by coming through the mediation of the priests, through the sacrifices, through the shedding of blood, through the purification that God provides. And then, then they can come into God's presence. Then God has promised to bless them and to forgive their sins and to bless them and to make them his own. And, and all of that is taking place in such a, an elaborate way so that, you know, as you're the, the, in, the taberna, in the tabernacle itself, and certainly the Holy of Holies, you've got pure gold and so forth. And yeah. then you know, gold and silver is used more there. But now in the things that are described in chapter 38, it's more of bronze and so forth. And that's because you're further away from yep. the place where God made his ultimate presence known. So mm-hmm. as people are coming there in the, the, this outer court, this outer area, uh, there, there is that's screened off from the rest mm-hmm. of the camp by means of all these hangings. And again, yep. you've got the the wooden supports and so forth all covered in in bronze and then with silver capitals so it's kind of interesting what's up in the air is yep. of silver and, and and fancy decorated the thing that touches the ground is, is bronze a, a more common thing not right. not quite it gets as precious pricier as, silver as you go gold. up and as you go in <laughs> exactly very good that's a that's a very good insight to realize so the closer you're getting to god you know in in his manifestation of himself in the holy of holies and so forth that that that, that you're using the more precious uh, substances of gold and silver and and all of that and in huge quantities as you pointed out at the the end of the chapter makes that clear right. Well, but, I, want, I want to talk about right. those huge quantities in a little bit of detail, too. But, um, but before, before we get there, I appreciate what, how you're breaking it down for us that, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not just about the, uh, the, the talents of gold and silver and bronze, but the God-given talents of these uh, work, uh, these craftsmen. Um, and, and certainly, I think that that idea of uh, the cast image, right, the, the metal cast calf, um, that that I think yeah like I actually I think really the emphasis is is less even on um, you know gold or even just metal in general but um, it, it's an image right it's an image that's been that's been uh, cast somehow right it's the idea of an Im- image and imprint that whatever you're using whatever kinds of material right um, you're making some sort of image and I think that image idea right just becomes really important, just like you were saying, you, were, you, you used the word uh, picture a couple times, right? Because like these are supposed to be pictures of, of God's presence, of, of, of ultimately Christ. And so um, I think that, yeah, certainly this gets back to that idea that 
man does not make images uh, for God because God has already made himself an image. Um, it says there in Genesis that he made man in his image, and then ultimately we know that the manifestation, the fulfillment of that is in Jesus Christ, the ultimate image of God. And so uh, really, really thinking of it as like kind of the, the image, um, the, the image, what would you say, profaning calf, right? It, I mean, that's really the, I think, the, the emphasis, right? That it's kind of stealing. And it is so because it's directly yeah. disobeying what God yeah. commanded. When God yeah. said that you should not make unto you any graven images to worship them. You know, exactly. so getting back to the Decalogue, getting back to the Ten Commandments yeah. as God specifically enunciates that. So there, you know, uh, after he says, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord mm -hmm. your God, am a jealous God. And yep. so that's a very significant thing. But it's, it, let's put against iconoclastic people that would say, then you shouldn't have stained glass windows. You shouldn't oh, have sure. any statuary. Yeah, yeah. You know, here... You know, after that terrible act of idolatry on the part of the people, God still commands his people and uses the people's gifts, uh, both the material things, the gold, the silver, the bronze, and so forth, and also the abilities that he himself has given to Bezalel and Aholiab and the craftsmen under their uh, leadership right. to make these things, which do include artistic representations according to God's own command. So if you're going to weave right. in and embroider <laughs> things with cherubim and so forth. That's and right. you mentioned later the, 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 the bronze serpent. The bronze yep. serpent was God's idea. It was his command, That's and right. when it was used the way God intended it to, it directed people to God himself for healing and forgiveness. Okay, yep. so healing from the snake bite, forgiveness for their disobedience. Then later on, in the days of Hezekiah and so forth, when people were burning incense to it and treating it like a false god, right. then they were to destroy right. it. So, mm -hmm. so again, I think this chapter brings out the fact that art can be used in a wonderful way for the true worship of the right. true God, but, as you're pointing out, in, in the light of the golden calf incident, that its misuse is idolatrous and, and uh, is contrary to the will of God. But here, this chapter uh, says, even after that, even after that terrible rebellion and disobedience of God, you know, God himself, when he establishes and, and blesses their activity to, to build the tabernacle and, and all the things there, he still, in his grace, uh, lets people right. come to him this way. And, right. and it, again, it was not their self-chosen act of worship. This was God's own direction is that Bezalel and so forth did what Moses commanded and Moses did what God had given him on the mountain. So God gave them the pattern on the mountain. Yeah. Moses is the mediator who brings that to the people. And then Bezalel and Aholiab are, are the people that God blessed with his spirit to uh, use these things in a way that is pleasing to him and beneficial for the people. And again, talking about getting away from our own self-centeredness, think about right. the, the bronze basin. In just that one sentence, he made the bronze, uh, he made the basin of bronze and its stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women yeah. ministered in the entrance of the tent of meeting. And with, if you just reflect on that for a little bit, reflect, the pun, you know, the, the, the mirrors that were used for one's self 
adornment, you know, you're going to use this yeah. for your own beauty and looking at uh-huh. yourself, that, that's melted down and right. converted into something that God is now going to use. And, and it's for the priests, when you read earlier in Exodus, they have to wash their hands and feet before they come into the presence of God to minister at the altar where the sacrifices are offered, and God then accepts their ministrations, he accepts the sacrifices, he uh, forgives the people, their sins are atoned for, people are purified and cleansed and made pleasing to God. And again, yeah. it, this comes, it's just like we sing in the hymn, uh, Thy Strong Word, you know, that his strong word bespeaks us righteous, right with his own holiness. And so God is the one who makes us righteous. God is the one who makes us, it's his holiness that comes to us. And so, you know, that, that bronze basin for the, the washing of the hands and feet of the, the priests, and then the offering of the sacrifice, all of that, we think of baptism too, don't we? I mean, how can we not as, as Christians who know that we have, are washed with water connected with God's word, and it's, it's that word of God uh, connected to the water that makes baptism this life-giving water, rich in grace, that right. uh, forgives our sins, and um, all of that. And likewise with the altar, how can we not think of the connection, well, the cross, well, and, and today? Really quick here we about the base, because that was really that was really interesting. Because that stood out to me too. That that bit about the the ministering women in the mirrors. Because I don't think that see, like of all the things that most most of the things are almost word for word, just straight out of uh, chapter twenty-seven and some of the other chapters there. But the bit about making it from the mirrors of the ministering women, that part is different. I, I don't think there's actually anything else um, earlier in Exodus that, that mentions that. Like, like, you know, you are to do You're this, right. you must take— So it's, it's really striking, I think, that that, that, that happens. And so I'm, I'm kind of, like, curious about, okay, so I, I wonder why— well, I mean, why is it that that happened? Is it just the ministering women, like, that's just what they gave up, right, in the same way that people were giving up things that had been previously uh, formed and used for different things, like, you know, earrings and, and armlets and whatnot, so that, so they um, gave up these mirrors? Because um, to, to your point, you know, in the ancient world, they didn't necessarily have um, glass mirrors the way that we do, and they, they used, um, you know, polished metals— um, so you would have mm-hmm. a very kind of dim image sort of mirror, but it would kind of get the job done. But, uh, but by it's just a very subjective thought to me. It reminds me of like, um, like in like in First Timothy, where where Paul says women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, um, with modesty and self control, not with uh, braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. Right, that that idea of subordinating uh, these things that that are used so often for vanity. Right, and then as you were saying, putting the emphasis on the purity and the washing that comes in Christ. Yeah, it's just interesting to reflect on it, and I think that some of these details they wouldn't be there if there were not the real deal. You know, eyewitness yeah. accounts of what really happened, yeah. and so uh, it's, it's like that would be a strange thing to invent and put yeah. in there, but it, it's an eyewitness account of what really did happen. And as you said, this is an example of, of how people were taking things that they had that had been used for something else, and now it was being devoted to a holy purpose. It was being devo- yeah. devoted to God's service. And to this day, you know, when we come into God's presence and worship Him, we bring our offerings, right? And offerings can be our financial things, but we offer our time, our talent, our treasures, 
all of these things which really God has given to us. We recognize that as stewards, God is the owner and everything belongs to him and what he lends to us, gives graciously gives to us for our use, then we also graciously give back to him. Right. for his use. And again, in the divine service, God is serving us uh, by providing us all that we need for this life and for eternal life in in his grace in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, today in our churches, we don't have an altar that we kill animals and burn up on, right? right but right. we have an altar, and what's happening there at the altar? Well, what yeah. Jesus did once and for all on Calvary's cross, the altar of the cross, the Lamb of God there was offered as a sacrifice to take away all sins for all people forever, and now on that table-like uh, piece of furniture in the front of our church, that altar, mm. now that offering is where Jesus was offered for us once and for all on Calvary's cross is the benefits are distributed to us as we eat his body and drink his blood given and shed once and for all on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. What a wonderful connection that is. Well, that's really something because I think the way you're breaking it down for us, like the the altar on which we have the the, the elements which are consecrated in the presence of of Christ um, incarnate, that would not correspond then necessarily to the bronze altar as much as it would to the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, where God himself is actually coming down and, and like you were saying, tabernacling among us. I mean, that's really something to think about, that that that, that altar right there is, is the, I mean, it's, it's really the same thing as the mercy seat, the, that place where only, you know, the high priest could go to after— so much ritual cleansing, right? And only once a year. And if he did anything the wrong way, like he could just be killed by a cherub. Uh, I mean, that's really something to make you stop and think about that. I think it gets to what you were saying about sacred space. Well, and and each, each element contains so much of the picture, you know, so, so the bronze altar is where the animals would actually, the the sacrificed animal would actually be burned up. But the blood, you know, is taken by the high priest, and the high priest himself, you know, pictures something. His garments picture something. The fact that he can only go in once a year into the Holy of Holies with the blood and sprinkle it there on the mercy seat. And the mercy seat itself, uh, you know, uh, with its, you know, the mercy seat, the covering, you know, so the, uh, all, all of these things, each and every element uh, has gospel import and helps Certainly, us now yeah. to realize that all of it is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the mercy seat. He is the Lamb. It is His blood that cleanses us from sin. He was offered. He is the great high priest. And, you know, He is the the temple. So that in, in right. John chapter 2, you know, He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And He was talking about the temple of His body, and it was in that body that He came to suffer and die and rise again to win for us everlasting life that we might be his people and now the way is open to heaven you know we, we, right. now we can go to the holy of holies we can go to the very presence of god cleansed by the blood of jesus christ the son of god oh, uh, what okay. a wonderful thing we have now in its fulfillment right and we look forward to the consummation when our savior comes again well, and that I think is is raising a really big question. That I think that we we want to ask about this because you know Jesus, our Lord, he said a lot of things about the temple, and 
they basically were all negative. <laughs> when you when you look at it, you think of uh, you know the woman who who, who put in um, you know just her her her, her might right um, just for the the temple tax right. And, you know, he, he says this, I think, with scorn that, you know, hey, look, all these other people, they're just, you know, it, it's like chump change for them. They're, they're dumping in more than is required. Um, but here, you know, because of this system, uh, this poor woman doesn't have anything to eat on. Um, and, and then, you know, the disciple is like, well, but surely it's not all that bad. Look at this amazing temple, right? Um, and then he's just like, you know what, like not one stone's going to be left standing upon another. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that someone could really walk away from that and then other statements like what our Lord says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Um, things like that to say, you know what, the Lord says, you know, he is present wherever people are gathered in his name. He says, you know, we should be, uh, you know, using using these gifts to to help the poor, to help people, that we shouldn't be, you know, extracting money from people for for these kind of uh, luxurious and ornate things. Um, what would you say to that, I guess? Because that really is striking here how you, you add this up, and I just did the math on just the gold. I didn't do it on, on everything else, but... When you go down to that verse that just mentions the the talents that are used just for the gold, um, I think the sum was something like if you put that in U.S. dollars today, one hundred and sixty million dollars. You know, so it's like wow. I didn't do the math on the the silver and the bronze, but it's like so. Just let's just say they spent like you know a quarter like a quarter of a billion dollars on on this on this tabernacle, right? Um, th- what would you say to someone who says that that really seems to contrast with the, what the Lord teaches? except that the Lord himself commanded it. So they're doing what God commanded here. This was not their yeah. self-invented worship. And the other thing is, God is worth it. But one other thing, we can make a false dichotomy here. You know, yeah. God is rich in grace and has provided us with all that we need for this body and life, and he gives us more than enough. So right. there is, God has provided us more than enough so that we can worship him in a way that is fitting and also still do that worship that is pleasing in his sight to care for the widow and the orphan and the the poor and and to provide for them in a God-pleasing way. So it's a false dichotomy to do one against the other. I think to this day, while we don't have in the 21st century here in America, God does not command us to to build a certain kind of building and and all of that. So you have to be careful that this is not theocratic Israel, and this this is not the temple in Jerusalem. This is not the tabernacle in the wilderness where it's built according to God's own specifications. At the same time, we who know the fulfillment of the story in Jesus Christ and receive the riches of his grace by grace through faith, the forgiveness of our sins, eternal life, it is fitting that we worship God in a way where we have sacred space set apart for his use, where we can hear his word, where we can receive his gifts, where we can point people to Christ, where we can point out God's holiness and and the, the need for our cleansing and forgiveness in Christ. And we can do this, and I think ornaments vestments uh, and a, a beautiful sanctuary have a, a that's meat right and salutary that we do this not uh, without caring for the poor and, and the widow and the orphan, but yeah, it can be both and not either or when Christians moved by the gospel that's right. I want to both worship God in a way that is fitting and, and lead people into his presence in a way that is fitting and, and exalts Christ and exalts the Amen. grace of God. And, Amen. And, and, we're and we're, o- we're time, over time, brother, well. but that's 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 well said. It, it, we don't need a, to make a false dichotomy. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, just all out of time. 
Uh, but thank you so much for unpacking these things with us. Looking forward to having you on again soon. Thank you. God bless. Everybody, that was Pastor Warren Worth at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. Moving on to the next chapter. Until then, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.